Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I'm looking for the best book about Hawaii. To help me are two high school English teachers. What? I'm sorry. To help me are two well-traveled high school English teachers. Good, 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 good. Yes. Oh, whew, Establishes bona fides. Yeah. That, I needed to set you guys up a little bit better than that. I'm glad I did. Yeah, for sure. Mm. And nobody's the wiser. <laughs> this is all staying Ian in. Ian and Joe. Thank you, Nick. I am a well-traveled high school English teacher. I've never been to Hawaii. It just seems so touristy, you know? Mm. Um, and this week... If you are looking for the best book about Hawaii, I brought a book called Waterman, The Life and Times of Duke Kanamoku, written by David Davids, 2005, 350 pages. It's about a guy who's like Hawaii's favorite son. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Hong Kong, Hawaii. Happy it's birthday. It's your birthday. Ian, are you getting crunk over there? Greetings, Nick. Greetings, Joe. Greetings, Hawaii today. Greetings, Hawaii. Hi, Hawaii. A book about Hawaii written by a Hawaiian person. It's called Sharks in the Time of Saviors. It's a novel. It's a weird book, and I absolutely loved it. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs> hey, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ian brought a soundboard. I didn't know we were allowed to do that. Nick is, <laughs> Nick is not. silently <laughs> vibrating not with rage. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. Can we do that? Oh, Can I we like, all get our I own like, soundboards? I like Joe's mouth soundboard best. <laughs> pew, pew. No, I was just I was just gonna say um aloha. Aloha. Oh Nick. boy. Yeah. How's it? Nick, how's it? How is it? How's it? How's it, Nick? Is that Hawaiian slang as well? It is Hawaiian slang. It's it's Hawaiian slang for Nick. How is it? Yeah. How is it today? That's, That's very uh, Wisconsin. I think we probably could have figured that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very mm-hmm. like it sounds like a very Midwest Wisconsin slang. How, yeah. how is it, Larry? I think we say that in Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, they say it in Hawaii too. So so not so different. Basically, do they say do they say <laughs> do they say Ope gonna sneak by you here? Ope. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys hey guys bubbler mm-hmm. right uh, okay, right good with all the differences that exist oh, it's so fun yeah, yeah you know su- suddenly i realized that the game i brought today shouldn't have just been hawaiian pigeon it should have been slang that is either wisconsin slang or hawaiian slang oh, and not too late to change the up. game yeah but it takes it are you uh, teasing a game joe just, I'm just teasing a game, but we have other stuff to do first. Really? Speaking of games, important I, I would, I think it's important at this point for me to go ahead and spoil today's Wordle. Oh, I haven't done that in a couple of weeks, and I think it, we do just need catch to. up on all the, just list the words for the last couple of weeks. Um, tryst, trust, <laughs> crust, chair, chair. Do you guys have a word that you like to start with? Like, is yeah, do. do you have like a go-to word? Uh, well, I actually, I have a couple of different words that incorporate like. A, 
The vowels A and E and letters D and S. As many vowels as you can get in there, right? Yeah. yeah. Poise. So I used to start with the word poise because of the vowels, right? I'm like, well, you got a bunch of whatever. Um, you got P. You got your, uh, I think there's an O in there. <laughs> w. But then I realized I think in Wordle, consonants are so much more valuable than vowels. Because let's be real, guys. Vowels all kind of make the They're same in every word. Is one another. They're in everywhere. They're all like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> right. Uh, Ian, do your impression of vowels now. That was mine. Uh, I'm going I'm to go ahead and con- uh, conscientiously object to this thing. Vowels right. are amazing. Don't be mean to vowels. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and spoil today's Wordle. Today's Wordle <laughs> is Eggly, E-G-G-L-Y. This is no. an archaic word, which means it means being like an egg. So like you would say, um, <laughs> they they jumped Eggly into the water or they stood Eggly on the beach. Humpty Dumpty sat there Eggly <laughs> before Eggly on the wall. Exactly. Yeah, probably one of the most Eggly uh, literary characters that's out there. Um, it's Hawaii's birthday and that's why we're doing Hawaii. We've continued. Heck. We're back on the, the wagon of state. Back on our old BS. Right. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Hawaii. Happy birthday, Hawaii. Um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird. That states have birthdays? Well, a lot of states' birthdays are like fairly straightforward. Like, okay, cool. That's when this territory became a legitimate thing. But Hawaii's relationship with sort of American government is not quite as um, simple as Wisconsin's, maybe, or as mm, Nevada's. Yeah. There's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more colonization involved. So it's a little bit like, um, Congratulations on being part of the the nation, which maybe you're not super excited about, Hawaii. Right. Congratulations on being usurped. Congratulations on... You know what I think of is I think of those IO games that kids play where like one bubble just eats the other bubbles until they grow. Are you familiar with this? No, but I love this analogy. Keep going. Yeah. So, so like <laughs> it's a game where you start out with a bubble and you have to eat other bubbles and like you can only eat things that are smaller than you. And if you eat something smaller uh-huh. than you, you grow that amount. Uh, that really feels That's like capitalism yeah, for you. I, that, well, it's certainly <laughs> colonialism. <laughs> it's good. It's good. The oh, big no, we can laugh bubbles. now. Right. Well, I don't know anything about Hawaii's history. Um, are, am I going to learn anything today about Hawaii? Uh, based on track record with these kinds of episodes, no. <laughs> but we I, I are going say, to do our best. Based on track records, like your only only way is up, right? Like it's just <laughs> it's true. No, that's that's optimistic. I think. Okay. I mean, I did in my in my preparation. I did specifically carve out a spec a section which is Hawaii stuff. Oh my and goodness! Good. Will we get to it? Probably not. But <laughs> I also, in my notes, um, just in case you, you think we don't prepare, I carved out a whole section called Hawaii history, uh, going back 1500 years uh, with dates Ooh, and names. And wow, things alliteration like point for Joe. Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, strongly podcast. And we are recording in the morning, so you'll notice just a very calm tone to this episode, mm-hmm. I think, at least coming from me. We'll see about the guys here. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so uh, every week we uh, pick a theme and Ian and Joe, two high school English teachers, bring book recommendations. And just to upset one of them, we pick a winner. And of course, to keep us on track, we have some show rules. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers today, gentlemen. We want to keep it fresh, clean, and tight. 
It's like the beaches. <clears throat> like the morning. And rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. Just kind of keep those farm words, stories to yourself it. as much as you can. Well, and then, I think people like the farm stories. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're welcome to share any condensed farm stories that you may have. <laughs> rule number that's three, only winning matters. Part. Just keep that. Is your, that's your North Star, gentlemen, okay? Yeah. Um, Tooth and nail. I feel I, like... If this ends in blood, so be it. Oh, whoa. Oh, oh. Is that... Is that I want an, you I to fight to the death. death. Is, that, is that the fourth? <laughs> scared of this new as, rule. <laughs> rule number four: One of you must die. <laughs> no, have I told you guys about the rat hunt? Well, you yes, did. You yeah. Why? Well, no. I, no, no, no okay, so I told you about shooting rats in the barn. We had a separate event oh. called the rat hunt. <laughs> Holy crap! No, please, please tell us about the rat hunt. Is that all capitals love, in that? I love that the history is so varied <laughs> that there are two separate rat books. I didn't know there was a nuanced rat the stories Wikipedia page to explore. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. I told you about uh, Rat Festival. I didn't tell you about the Rat Hunt. <laughs> All right. That comes with a new moon. Oh, okay. Uh, there was a guy uh, that hunted on our land. Not rats. He hunted. He trapped other things. And he would he would trap, you know, like, I don't know, possum or raccoon. And he would pelt them. And then he would leave the carcasses behind in corners of the land on large piles. And underneath those piles of carcasses over the winter, oh, whole good. colonies of Fact. rats would dig, like, tunnels and burrows and they would live large on the land oh my god and i'm one so sorry spring, there are so many rats under one of those piles we had to light it on fire so all the rats ran oh out my god <laughs> why why would you need to make it worse like that well we we're just cleaning it up can't have a nick you can't have a colony of rats that's all right insane. okay so you, you're burning this colony of rat that's that's living under rotten flesh of, yeah. of countless animals. Well, the, the flesh was mostly picked clean by then. But the problem with oh, starting good. a fire on mm. top is if you go underneath the ground, you're like, it, it, it protects you. You know, like if you, if there's a fire above you and you go a couple feet underground, you're relatively safe. So then we had to get a tractor with a bucket on it and dig up a large piece of land and then rats scattered everywhere. But we shot them all. <laughs> cool. Good story. That's a condensed farm story. You never know when Joe's stories are going to end. <laughs> I love that. That's my favorite part. And what and what was that? That was called the rat hunt. That was called Dinner's. the rat hunt. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, you guys want to tell me about your books? <laughs> when do they have rats in Hawaii? Uh, Ian is going to do some rat research. In the meantime, no, Hawaii, um, Hawaii does not. Guys, Hawaii doesn't have any snakes. What? Yeah, it's got some things like that. Uh, Joseph, do you want to take 30 seconds to tell me what your book is about, just very briefly? Absolutely. Nick, before Michael Phelps, before Mark Spitz, there was a guy named Duke Kanamoku. You might think that Duke was his title. It was actually his name, which is a really good name. You can be forgiven if you've never heard of him, but in the right circles, he's a really big deal. In fact, he is the original big kahuna as important to water sports as Babe Ruth is to baseball. Nick, this week, I read a biography of Duke, the Polynesian hero who changed the world of swimming and saved an ancient thousand-year-old Hawaiian sport of surfing. I brought a secret surf book. Ian, your time has started. Yes. Old gods march on the dark ridgeline of a remote Hawaiian valley. A husband and wife conceive a child, one touched with the magic of the night marchers. Will he save Hawaii from the creeping rot that hollows it from within? 
Can he even save himself from the weight of expectation? Can his family survive tragedy upon trauma upon disappointment? I brought Sharks in the Time of Saviors this week, a novel. Sharks? That's cool. Sharks, yep. that could be a problem for your surfers, Joe. I'm sure we'll get into that later. Could be a problem for surfers. Yeah. Also might explain why snakes never made it there. Oh, the sharks. Because of all the sharks ate them. Because of the sharks. Right. If you get it, guys, in honor of Hawaii Week this week, if you could be a snake or a shark, what would you be? Uh, I mean, I think the answer is obvious. Who would be a snake? I totally agree. Somebody who hates the water. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like snakes are like always wet and, you know, crawling through something wet. Slithering. They're basically wet, too. You know, well, I think I think snakes give the appearance the of wetness a lot more than They're, they are wet. But people only I, hate I, the water because of sharks. So if you're a shark, you're good, your baby. Oyster, baby. The world's your oyster. I know people who are like, no, I'd rather not. I just I'd rather not go in the water. Maybe they would go up to it, but they wouldn't go in it. They just like, I don't I don't do that. Well, yeah, but I that's that. a very human centric view. If you are a shark, I agree. You would want to go in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying I'm <laughs> saying would you would as a human you as a human being, would you if rather I had, be a shark or a snake? So Listen, if I were to people, be a shark the, or a snake the rest of my life, I'd probably kill myself. If I had my same, like, <laughs> what I know okay, now, imagine I, I wouldn't have a thumbs wizard. or arms. The wizard says to you, go crazy. no shark more texting, head. no more bubble eating games. You have to be <laughs> shark or snake. in the water now. <laughs> I, I think the one, the one subset of people who would really go for snake would be if you like the people, you know, huggers, you know, people who are like, my chief way of showing affection is hugs. Sharks aren't very good at hugging. I would say snakes are the best huggers. Ian, <laughs> stop talking. Joe, can you tell me about your book? Holy shit. Oh, my God. All right, Nick, I, I do want to tell you about my book, but I also brought a brief game, and this game yeah. is called <laughs> Pigeon. Mm, no, it needs a better name than that. This game is called... <laughs> Nick, this, this game is called... Um, this game is called Wisconsin or Hawaii slang. Wisconsin or Hawaii slang. Did you just change the name since we last spoke? Did you have a I different changed name? The game. I changed the game since we last spoke. I thought the idea that you guys came up with was so much better than my idea. Wow. And it already built really well. Did you with hear that? My idea. Did you hear that? Let heads. We're just Let heads. off you the cuff you changing games for you. That's quite the gift. All right. So, Nick, for this game to start, um, do you know what pigeon is? And don't tell me it's a bird. Although that's going to be what you think at first, but what See, is pigeon? Only, so, only plain. definition I have for pigeon is bird. Okay, Ian, Ian knows what pigeon is. Is this the game? It's like this is the game where Joe asks us, <laughs> and I tell you, when you hear wrong. the word snake, what do you think? No, a, a pigeon is pigeon is like uh, it's like it's like a, a creole. It's it's a a, a linguistic term for when um, a kind of dominant language is kind of changed or adjusted to a specific culture and a locale. So like you might say that there is a Jamaican um, pigeon uh, of English, or you might say that there is, uh, honestly, you might say there's a Wisconsin pigeon. Love it. So this is, so Nick, a pigeon is something that happens and it's really well documented where two cultures come together, right? Maybe like you get a massive influx of immigrants or possibly colonizers, two cultures come together and they have to find a way to communicate without really knowing each other's language. Like they learn bits and pieces of it, but they don't like, they aren't fluent. Okay. So what develops naturally time after time after time, what naturally develops is what's called a pigeon is kind of the first step. And then over years, it tends to turn 
into a creole, right? And what a pigeon is, is common phrases, common words that are kind of a mashup of the two cultures. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a phrase. Um, okay. It's a bit of a slang phrase. It's a bit of a pigeon phrase. And there are two points possible with every phrase. The first point you get, if you tell me correctly, does this word come from Hawaii or does this word or phrase come from Wisconsin? That should be this, pretty easy. Yeah, I feel I feel like we're going to kill it because we're both from Wisconsin, Joe. Yeah. This Well, okay, we'll see. The second point possible is you have to tell me what it means, what no, the word harder. means. Okay, and I, and I will give you, yeah. if you request, I will give you like an example of that word or phrase being used. We're ready, Joe. Joe, take it away. Your first one is stop and go lights. Stop and go lights. Um, is this a phrase from Wisconsin or is it a phrase from Hawaii? Uh, Ian, go ahead. Uh, that would be uh, what is what is from Wisconsin. What is from Wisconsin? Uh, Ian, that is correct. Um, traffic lights, please, in Wisconsin. And what just call mean? them what they are. Don't you know? Um, the <laughs> All right. Ian, congratulations. You have a point. Um, number two, if I have chicken skin, what do I have? My cat was staring at a corner of my room and I got chicken skin. Ew. That, that sounded like Nick. Nick, go ahead. Um... Wait, what a sound! What's the sound the pigeon makes? Oh, good, yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, that was really good, Nick. Thank you. I was yeah. Thank you. That was actually a pigeon that's next to me. I'm gonna say it's when you get goosebumps, and it's Hawaiian. It, Nick, it is for two points. It is nice. when you get goosebumps, and it is Hawaiian. Congratulations, Nick. Thank right. you, Joe. Round three. The word is grinds. Grinds. Hey, I need to go to the store and get some grinds for the meal. Is it Hawaiian? Is it Wisconsin? That was Nick. Definitely Hawaiian. And Definitely Hawaiian. What is it? Now, will I be penalized? Or I'm sorry, will I be penalized if I guess why incorrectly? No, it just it leaves that second point up to... Up to uh, okay, up so grabs. I'd like to take a guess at uh, what it is. Mm -hmm. And just grind, like with D at the end? G-R-I-N-D-S uh, or G-R-I-N-D-Z. Z? Holy yep, shit. It, it is often spelled with a Z. Oh, that's some funk on it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I spell a lot of things with Z, too. Um, okay. As a Wisconsinite. <laughs> As a Wisconsinite, yeah. Um, I'm going to say it is uh, coffee. It is coffee. Yeah, no, that is not correct. Ian, do you want to take a stab at what grinds um, I'm going to say it's like, it's like ground meat, ground beef, ground lamb, ground pork, ground fish. Yeah, that's okay. So it's oh, it's a little bit broader than that. I thought this was really cool. It's a word that I don't have a word for. Um, it's just like the ingredients that might make a meal. So it's like, oh, Interesting. I want to okay. make some vegetable soup. Can you run to the market and get some grinds for me? Oh, I and love And in that, that case, th yeah, the grinds might be beans or vegetables or like it's just grinds. Is it from, is it from ingredients? Oh, like ingredient? I, I, um, in in the last That'll bit of preparation be of this show, I don't have yeah, enough questions. Next round. <laughs> Quiet over there. <laughs> next round. Next round. If I say, come here real quick. Come here real quick. Wisconsin <laughs> or... <laughs> Ian, go ahead. 
That's Wisconsin. That is Wisconsin, Nick. What, or and what does it in? mean, Ian? It means <laughs> it means get, get, get over it. Now, get I'm over. pretty sure they say that in other, uh, anywhere. It's, specifically, <laughs> it's not just quick. You got to be real quick, guys. Oh, All right. real quick. Real quick. <laughs> All right. I love this one. Um, if you have a Kanak attack, a Kanak attack. <laughs> a Kanak attack? A Kanak attack. What happens to you? Uh, and so, so let me use this in a sentence. A Kanak attack. Oh, I ate so many leftovers and now I got a Kanak attack. Oh. I got to take a nap. That's when you eat too much Kanak. Well, sorry. that's not really how the game works. First, you got to buzz in. <laughs> yeah, so go ahead. Hawaii. And it's when you eat too much <laughs> roasted pork and you need to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> a Kanak attack is exactly that. No! It is not necessarily roasted pork. Oh, okay. Um, but it is the sleepiness that washes over you once you've eaten a large quantity of food. Last round, um, Nick is, I feel like Nick's dominating this game. Yeah, Nick's pretty far ahead. I'm just being aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, how's by you? How's by you? How's by you? <laughs> Ian. I think that's... I think that's Hawaiian, and I think it means, um, what's good? How you doing? You okay? Y'all good? Yeah. So um, it does, in fact, mean, how's it going? Y'all good? How are you doing? Um, it is, however, on my list of Wisconsin oh, slang. Really? Yes, how's by you? If you could ask this in Wisconsin, you better be ready to grab a spotted cow, sit down, and stay a while. If you're feeling, go ahead and respond. Fair to Midland. <laughs> Fair to Midland. <laughs> Fair to Midland. Oh, boy. All right. Thank you for playing Wisconsin Pigeon. Wow. Mm, Pidge, Pidge Sconson. Pidge Sconson. Um, Pidge Sconson. All right, Nick, I've got some book stuff for you. Oh, that'd be great. I read a book this week about this guy, Duke Kanemoku, who I had never heard of before I read this book. Um, Duke Kanemoku was a athlete primarily, although he went on to do many things in his life. He was a surfer. He was a swimmer. He was elected the sheriff of Honolulu for 15 consecutive terms. And he was Whoa. also yeah, pretty good. And he was also like an unofficial ambassador of Hawaii, uh, his for for most of his career. What's the what's the year here, Joe? Uh, so he's born in 1890, oh, which okay. is a very wow. interesting time to be born if you are a native Hawaiian. So Nick, this segment is called History of Hawaii. Okay. Oh. Do you want to okay. should we all pause to put in some music? Yeah, maybe like a little like ukulele in the background would be good. Yeah, let's just give it <laughs> All right, History all right. of Hawaii. I'm ready to, you have, you have five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, Hawaii was settled by people by, probably about 1500 years ago. And I, I love this because a few years ago, it would have been very hard to know the history of like how it was settled. And I would have had to explain like wayfaring and ocean going vessels. But now, of course, I could just say like, well, it was kind of Moana. Right. <laughs> like, like it was, it was settled by Polynesians uh, about 1500 you, years ago. This you, week's episode brought to you by Pixar. Mm. And Nick, if you were on Hawaii 1500 years ago, or in fact, most of the time in the last 1500 years, um, you would have lived what would have been a relatively Edenic lifestyle from the outside. 
Food is plenty. It requires little, little oversight. The weather is ideal. And living on the Hawaiian Islands, you would have had a ton of leisure time. In 1778, Captain James Cook arrives. And as the story of so many native places over and over, um, then white people got there and things got worse. And ruined uh, it. Yep. For the native people. Um, Captain Cook arrives in 1778. He is actually murdered on the Hawaiian Islands the next year, 1779, um, in some some, some turmoil. it, by 1820, the first missionaries are there, and by 1835, the first sugar plantations. And um, as plantation commerce, I guess, as plantation capitalism comes to the Hawaiian Islands, that way of lots of leisure time, lots of time on the water, right, et cetera, it kind of goes away. Because right. while you can sustain yourself from the islands, you can fish in the sea, you can eat the local fruit, um, sugar plantations require like a lot of work. And a lot of oversight and a lot of like constant uh, uh, maintenance. Hey, you guys ever think that capitalism was a really bad idea? Boy. <laughs> hey, instead of being happy and just enjoying life, uh, work, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> as as um, was it Brittany once said? Yeah. Work, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, the ultimate capitalist. Uh, she so- is. She's such a capitalist. <laughs> Have you watched her TikTok? So that's 1835. Over the next 100 years, you guys know what happens. The land is privatized. Agriculture becomes dominant. And workers, mostly Asian, mostly from Asia, are imported. The native Hawaiian people are decimated by disease, squeezed out of the land. The native Hawaiian population in those 100 years goes from something like 300,000 to 30,000. Um, so literally the definition of decimated it is reduced by nine tenths yeah Yeah. by the end of the 19th century the traditional hawaiian way of life that that um, we might know or that the traditional hawaiian way of life has been more or less erased from the islands not necessarily because it's been like intentionally squashed out but because like things they got busy we got more important plantations to to look at that's exactly it our boy Duke was born in 1890, and it's a weird time to be born because essentially what's happening in the Hawaiian Islands is the last um, monarchy is crumbling in the Hawaiian Islands. Um, it is being overthrown, is being usurped. There's tons of outside pressure. And while Duke was born into a monarchy, by the end of his lifetime, Hawaii would be a full-fledged U.S. state. And during that time, this guy was like, the ambassador for Hawaii, like the cultural ambassador for Hawaii as he went around the world. That how how is it good question. Yeah. Sorry. Just just to kind of like to to put this how question in, in context. I think it's really, really important when when you have this sort of situation where so and so has been anointed as the uh representative, the question is like is this is this their choice? Mm-hmm. Um and do they legitimately represent the culture. I mean, we saw this, we, we, it happened a lot with Native Americans. Um, Lewis and Clark or whoever would go out and find a tribe and say, okay, you're going to go back to, to Washington. And it was not clear whether the person who was sent back to Washington was like really into that or, uh, <laughs> even like a, a, a worthwhile person to, to advocate for their tribe. So yeah, like I, I want more information too. Please. Yep. Absolutely. So, so Duke, was made this ambassador for Hawaii, this unofficial ambassador for Hawaii, mostly because of his athletic 
prowess. Um, he was he was born in a very traditional Hawaiian family. His family moved out of Honolulu. They moved to Waikiki. And he lived, especially in his younger years, kind of that Edenic lifestyle that we think of as a native Hawaiian, right? Like he spent his time on the water, um, surfing, swimming, canoeing, all these things, fishing, etc. Um, he accidentally, Nick, um, through through really no no training, became the fastest 100-yard swimmer on planet Earth during cool. that time, just by growing up in Hawaii. In fact, in That's his crazy. early 20s, it's it's wild. In his early twenties, <laughs> there was a race, right, and where like all these like local Hawaiian surf clubs um, competed against one another, and Duke won it. He and nobody was surprised by that because Duke was like the fastest surfer in the islands. When they sent his scores to the like oversight committee, though, they're like, "Hey." That guy that just won your race, that Hawaiian guy we've never heard of, he just beat the world record by five huh? seconds. Whoa. <laughs> and they, they, they wouldn't accept the record. They're like, something fishy's going on here. Nobody that we've never heard of is going to beat the world record by five seconds. It must have been, you, you screwed up your lines, you screwed up your top, stopwatch, et cetera. So Duke goes to the mainland. He competes across the mainland. It turns out he actually is that fast as a swimmer. And he goes on to compete in the next three Olympic games, winning something like five medals in that time. But Nick, Duke had a problem. Uh oh. At the time, to compete in the Olympics, you had to be an amateur. And what amateur meant mm. is you could not make money from the thing that you were doing. Right. Right. Like, so if you mm. you could not be a professional swimmer, you could not take money for swimming and then go on to compete in the Olympics. Are you familiar with this idea? It, it, it's like it's like college sports now or, or sorry, like Perfect. college sports used to be yeah. like once you start once you start getting a salary uh, or making money off endorsement deals, maybe you you're out. Perfect. Right. And this is something that like it's kind of gone away now, like the U.S. basketball team, like at the Olympics is just a bunch of professional basketball players. Right. But even if you go back to like Muhammad Ali at the beginning of his career, like he first went out and won Olympic gold and then he declared professionalism. So he was not able to make any money from boxing until he decided to be pro, right? And that's just how the Olympics worked. The Olympics were not for professional athletes. The Olympics were for amateur athletes. Interesting. Well, same as today. (laughs) (laughs) So Duke, um, this guy goes out, wins all these Olympic medals, but between these things, doesn't really have a way to support his livelihood. Like the thing that he's best at in the entire world, like he can't really do for a living. When he's back on Hawaii, he works as like a tour guide and a Mm. fishing guide for the increasing like tourism industry and Hawaii. And he starts going around the U S um, going around the world and doing swimming demonstrations. Uh, for for different populations where they're like, hey, come see how this Hawaiian wonder is the fastest guy in the world, etc. That's I mean, just just a brief side note. That's kind of cruel to be like, hey, you you're clearly I, and not just not. I mean, I, I know it wasn't just for him, but mm-hmm. um, I imagine he didn't have like a bunch of super wealthy patrons who would kind of support him um, or like a, a really supportive family. He'd be like, yeah, man, just follow your dreams. We'll, we'll pay for your rent and stuff. 
Yeah, no, like he didn't have this at all. Like he came from a family that like wasn't particularly well to do. And while he was the best in the world at this thing, he also like struggled to get by the entire time. Um, I mentioned in the teaser that he won the, he, he was the uh, sheriff of Honolulu for 15 consecutive terms. That was largely a ceremonial title mm. that Hawaii mm-hmm. was just like, hey, we'll make you sheriff. We'll give you a salary and mm. you go off and and do your thing. I'm glad we don't have ceremonial sheriffs anymore. <laughs> 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 that seems like you really need to, you know, be present to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Right. There's some things to oversee. Sidebar here, Joe. Are, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Is this the are you explaining the whole book? Is this the book? I'm- I'm trying, this is the book. Like this book is a straight up biography of Duke's life. So for me to tell you about this book, it's just like, let me tell you what he did next. Let me tell you what he did next. And I'm not going to do any more of that, um, except to say uh, the thing that I thought was cool and interesting about this book is surfing. Surfing. Is a very Hawaiian thing, right? Like when Captain Cook lands on the islands, it's the first time that a European, it's the first time that a white person has maybe ever seen surfing. And it's a very traditional Hawaiian pastime. It's sometimes called the sport of Hawaiian kings. Hmm. By the time that Duke comes around, it had really been relegated to like this weird little sideshow that only a Hmm. handful of Hawaiians even did anymore. Hmm. Duke on his round the world expeditions as he was like advocating for the culture of Hawaii, not only would do swimming demonstrations where he'd be like, oh, check it out. This is how we kick in Hawaii. That makes us so much faster. He'd be like, by the way, I brought my 12 foot long surfboard. Let me show you what I can do with it. He was like the Johnny Appleseed of surfing, bringing it from like place to place, culture to culture, Southern California, the East Coast of the United States, Australia. And as a result of that, there are statues of this guy. He's seen as like the godfather of surfing. There are statues of this guy, not just all over Hawaii, but like at every surfing hotspot on the planet. They're like, oh, "Oh, that's Duke. Yeah. So what's this guy's legacy? I mean, I don't really know shit about surfing. So what's this guy's legacy? Is this like, um, is this like, Literally like Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, it, it, that's is this like seen, folklore like, at this point? I mean, how how much of an impact has this guy had? And how, I mean, what, what's yeah, the legacy? Yeah, super good question. He is, he is it, it is a little bit of folklore, right? He is in the International Swimming Hall of Fame. He's in the International Surfing Hall of Fame. He's yeah, there's a U.S. commemorative stamp. Like, yeah, there's bust of this guy, right? <laughs> but in this book, it's so clear and it's so odd because like 1890 to be born, isn't that long ago, right? He died in like the 1960s. Even with that said, there's not that much like primary documentation about him. Like they have a handful of letters from him over the years. They have newspaper clippings about his athletic achievements. And in the prologue to this book, the author says, Duke is like a Hawaiian icon. Like if mm-hmm. you go to Hawaii, there are a thousand places named Dukes after this guy, right? There's beaches named after him, lagoons named after him, tiki bars named after him, right? Like he is an absolute Hawaiian icon. So much so that it has become almost impossible to extract, uh, to disentangle the Duke the man from Duke like the idea, Duke the legend. So Ian is saying earlier, like, well, does he like... Does he want to be this Hawaiian ambassador? Does he want to? 
Well, the people of Hawaii would say like, well, hey, whether he wants to be or not, mm, yeah. he wraps what we want to wrap, right? Like this, this um, athleticism, this like aloha attitude, like once he'd stopped being the sheriff, um, he became, quote, the ambassador of aloha was his official title. Like, like his connection with the land, his connection with the water, like that is what we want wrapped. An avatar. Um, He's an avatar for for maybe culture and and um, and how how they represent themselves to the world. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like Hawaii is kind of like, and it's crazy to speak of it as a big thing, but it's like, hey, if Hawaii was a person, that person right. would be Duke. Uh, right. It sounds pretty cool. I'm, it sounds like there's probably a lot more to this than uh, the story that you told. But you pretty much get. Do you get like his whole life, and then who's it told from? It, it, it's. It's told from like a point of view of scholarship. Like it's okay. it's just very much like this guy is, is Not saying, a... hey, I did a bunch of research. This is let me tell you about Duke. Um, And yes, it is like the arc of his life. And it's straight up like, uh, let's start when Duke is four years old and his dad throws him out of the canoe to see if he can swim. Right. <laughs> and it goes all the way up to his his um, eventual death. When somebody threw him out of a canoe and he couldn't swim <laughs> <laughs> and he could no longer swim. <laughs> Litheads, we're always happy to get new fans of the show. We're not happy to get new friends of the show. And that's because, as we know, we can only call someone a friend of the show if they've passed away. And we're happy to report that as of now, uh, Salman Rushdie is still not a friend of the show. Not um, a friend of the show. So congratulations to him, I guess, on that. Yeah, we, should rethink, we, should, we should rethink this approach where we congratulate people for not being friends of the show. Uh, so that's good. So, um, okay. So I don't know anything about Salman Rushdie, uh, except, um, his cameos on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, but <laughs> until recently I learned a little bit more. So, uh, but anyway, do you guys want to, uh, bring his, his, bring his shit next week? Yeah. I think that's exactly how he would put it too. Right. He'd be like, Hey, why don't you just bring my shit to you? Don't know. Lit. Right. I will read, um, the book that the book that kicked it all off. The one that made the Iranian government, uh, issue a fatwa. I'll read the Satanic Verses. Um, it's a book I've never read, and I'm excited to read it. Uh, and it's it's pretty long, so get ready for <laughs> you know, just get ready for. I, 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 as as I as I as I kind of like look at this book, as I kind of think about it, this is definitely going to be one of those where I say this is a hard book to talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm going to talk about a book that I hope is easier than that to talk about. Um, while he was living under the threat of this fatwa, um, he lived under an alias. Uh, that alias was Joseph Antoine, and he wrote a memoir about that time. So I'm going to read Joseph Antoine, a memoir by Solomon Rushdie. Ian. Yes. Tell us about your book. All right. What is what is the uh, name of it? The book. The name of the book is Sharks in the Time of Saviors. And oh, that's right. The sharks and snakes thing. That's right. Okay. Sometimes, so sharks in the time of yeah. snakes. So sharks in the time of saviors. Mm -hmm. Sometimes books like this is this is what we would call this book literary fiction. Sometimes literary fiction has these titles which don't really relate to. It's kind of like Fallout mm. Boy titles where um song titles where the the song the title is like a sentence and then it has very little to do with the book itself but i'm pleased to report that in sharks in the time of saviors there are multiple shark episodes and the shark episodes are important to the, the plot okay. of the book 
The shark is not a metaphor. Well, the shark like, is a metaphor, but the shark, shark is also real. Like there are actual sharks oh. and there are metaphorical sharks. So catch twenty-two. We're excited. Mm-hmm. There are sharks as are promised. Sharks. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to do like a, a kind of a one to one thing with Joe. But we should have brought this for Shark Week. When is Shark Week? Th- Dude, yeah. have we Ooh. had a Shark Week? Have That's we just even done thinking. Shark Week? Oh, we should do God. Shark Week. Oh, goodness, every we year. Jump the Shark Week. I, yeah, we could do it every year. I can't <laughs> imagine us not being as successful as Discovery Channel on this one. <laughs> Lay it on a scene. Anyway, my book is about uh, a family, and at first I was going to say this book is a buildings roman, but it's not really. It's more uh, like a family, kind of a family. I mean, there there is coming of age, but it's not just coming of age because mm. the mom and dad are still around and and it's it's kind of it's a family. It's a family epic. So there's a mom, there's a dad, and there are three kids. And the middle kid, his name is Noah. He seems to have some kind of supernatural abilities, some kind of superhuman skills. And his parents believe that he is connected to the old Hawaiian gods. Love it. Um, and this is where this is where I think the author, um, Hawaii Strong Washburn, had to kind of make a choice because he could have he could have gone the young adult route, the sort of genre route where you're chosen one, right? You're you're mm-hmm. you're Percy you're Jackson, Jackson. Yeah, you're, Harry you're Harold Potter, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're Aragorn, um, yep. where he does a bunch of cool stuff. He flies in a dragon. He uh, shoots lasers and he saves the world. That's like right. one route to take this sort of story. But sounds pretty uh, fun. Uh, what it is. And then it is fun. And, and like, let's not sell it short. He does have skills and he uses those skills. And that's, that's interesting and exciting. But to pay the bills. Yeah. Well, actually, literally. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah. He uses his skills to pay his bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Um, that's kind of one direction this novel could take. And I'm kind of glad it doesn't because we've seen that. Right. That story's been told. This, the route this does take is... What like what does his family do with his identity, his power, and what does what does he do? Like how does this affect him? How does this kind of weight of expectation? Because like they really put a lot of his parents and his community put a lot of emphasis on you are. So when we talk about avatars, you are kind of like maybe the rebirth of an ancient Hawaiian religious like power. <laughs> no um, pressure. Exactly. No pressure. no pressure. There's this there's this part early in the book where he like um, a, a kid has his hand blown off by a firework and and Noah heals the kid's hand, just heals it. And his parents are like, cool, we're going to start or, 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 or uh, they're like, they're like, cool. People are going to start coming to our house and you're going to heal them. And he does. And yeah, it's it's you and then they and they pay. Do they like charge admission at the door? No, they 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 pay the 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 patients pay the parents when they leave. Okay. Um, sure. It's not like charge, but it's like, yeah, like you, you healed my cancer. So thanks. Here's a bunch here's of money. Some, here's some money because that's very valuable to me. Is this but, uh, is this like uh, young adult literature? It's not. No, oh, okay. it's not. It's it's very much. It's very much like kind of grown up. New York Times bestseller, uh, mm-hmm, literary yeah. fiction. So oh, okay. the, the, the story like it starts with these as kids as kids, but it pretty quickly moves to them as adults. So they leave Hawaii. They move to the mainland and the parents stay on the mainland. And these three kids, the older brother, who's a basketball star, the middle one, who is um, potentially the incarnation of Hawaiian gods and the youngest mm-hmm. one, who is uh, the, da- the, the daughter, uh, who is super smart. And likes rock climbing. Uh, the, the the book is really focused on like what happens 
with the weight of this expectation. And it's yeah. not just it's not just like the expectation of, of Noah's parents that he will be like a magic boy, but also, you know, the older brother, the basketball star, has his expectations and he yeah. puts them on himself. The sister, the younger sister, she has expectations. They make mistakes. They find redemption. They undergo trauma. They cope with trauma. There's kind of a huge climactic event that happens about two thirds of the way through, which I'm not going to spoil, but it's massive. And the rest of the book is them kind of dealing with fallout. And yeah. it's a really it's I mean, it's a hard book to talk about in one way, but another way it's really not because the story it's telling of the, this family that's kind of close and then fractures and then comes back together. This is a, this is a human story for humans, not sharks. So I um, want to know what other powers he has. Like, is it yeah. just the healing thing well, or can Joe, you like, just relax? We're going to get into the powers. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So just let's level set here. So we got a boy with magical powers who mm-hmm. swift quickly becomes a man. And then <laughs> don't say it like that. Why? <laughs> just gets and creepy. oh, okay. Uh, and he's helping people, and the the future is bright. And but we also get like it's uh, this is this book basically superhero like bat. Well, ah oh, shit. I tried is to it, name a superhero at, like who has a family, but all everybody's family's dead. Uh, Batman's well, family's dead. Superman's family's dead. Is there any superheroes that don't have Spider Man's family's dead? What? hell is with that okay so that's interesting this is the thing is there any superhero with a family (laughs) well i think i think a couple of the fantastic fours are married here's the thing like i think i think (laughs) to each other a lot of stories yeah that's how they found a A lot of stories like a lot of stories where, where people are out of the ordinary um they they are isolated but and and that allows that allows them to kind of do their own thing like spider-man seeks out isolation because like that keeps him and his family, you know, Aunt May and so forth safe. But, um, but, uh, this, like this, these characters and I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'll level with you. The brother and Thank sister, you. they also seem to have some powers too. They also seem to have something, oh, something going great. on. Yeah. These characters exist in community and that's the big kind of, that's the big unique factor. And honestly, it's kind of the big Hawaiian thing about this book that it's not just, you know, uh, guy gets powers has to deal with them but he gets powers and his his family his extended family his community puts a ton of pressure on him yeah to kind of fix joe is talking about a lot of the stuff that kind of like the, the coming of the sugarcane plantations and the colonization and the eradication of the the, the decimation of the hawaiian population there is a sense of Hawaii is kind of like rotting is broken and the hope from the parents, from Noah's parents, from Noah's community and eventually from Noah himself, he believes he has to fix this. And so it's not just external pressure. It's also internal pressure. And, um, how oh, does he do it? I'm not going to tell you. Well, it's next to big thing. He probably does something. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to tell you because, because that's the, that, and this is one of the big questions of the book. Like, like pretty clearly, like this is not a book, which is like, is it magic or not? No, there's like, there's definitely supernatural stuff happening. That's not the question. The question is, can one person sort of have, I mean, honestly, you have kind of a Duke, uh, is it Kanemoku? Yeah. A Duke Kanemoku effect on Hawaii today. Duke revived surfing. Duke popularized surfing, kind of like spread Hawaiian culture. Noah has a bigger job, which is sort of saving Hawaii from what it's become. 
And the, 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 the big question of the book is, will he, will this family kind of be able to do that? And I'm not going to tell you whether or not they do. I'm not going to tell you, tell you like what happens because that's a spoiler. Yeah, no, I got that. So what, what's the tone of this book? Is it pretty like dark or is it like, is it like, how is it viewing these problems? Is it like fun, lighthearted? Like I use my powers to like open up a, a like a, a bottle and like, look how strong I am. Or is it like, mm-hmm. I use my powers to like bring balance to society. Oh, God. Like, what, like what's going on? Uh, I read, I read a lot of, um, reviews of this book because i was like i i need to understand i need i need help i need help processing help, because help yeah help i need yep. somebody help um so the words are lyrical comedic and ferocious it it refuses we've talked about this we talked about this on the on the native american lit episode it doesn't like say hey man everything's so bad forever mm-hmm. like it, it 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 finds the joy it's optimistic. It yeah. And, and it, it sort of uh, it's sort of like it's willing to say like, yes, these these Hawaiians are kind of oppressed by their society and they're very poor and life isn't great. But there's these these hilarious, these really lighthearted and beautiful and sweet moments um, late, late in the book. Uh, a character kind of um, develops something like dementia and um their relatives are taking care of them and the like it's it's very very sweet as we get to see the relatives kind of like learn okay this is what we need to do for this person and it's not funny but it's it's also not like grim it's not like they've yeah. given up themselves and they're they're miserable it's just kind of like it's like hopeful and positive i would say maybe a tone of cautious optimism because this gets to my to, to one of my other points. The question of who is it for is, is a really interesting one. Like, who is this book going to work for? And I think it's it's obviously not just for people from Hawaii, not just for Hawaiian people. Obviously, if you have that heritage, it's probably probably enjoyable. But it's more broadly, I think, for people who have a complex relationship with their family and their home and their heritage. So everybody. <laughs> well, no, I don't think I don't think everybody because there are some people who are like, yes, my family is great and I love them and I love my home and I'll go back and live there when I'm old. Right. And there are other people who perfect. are like, I hate everything about where I was where I was raised. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not talking about complex. It's like, oh, it's complicated. I'm talking about like legitimately complex where there yeah. are things you like and things you don't like mm-hmm. things that you value and things that bother you, things that you can like you can't live without and things that you can't stand. Like a three-legged chair. Yeah. I can't, I, stand. I can't stand. Good. Do you want to do that sound effect? Yeah. No. No, 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 I'm not going to. No. I don't know. This is something I think of, you know, we kind of teased at the beginning where we joked at the beginning like, oh, well, two well-traveled people. But it, when... When you travel to places that have been commodified, right? Like, like, like this is a thing that happens. Like you go places and like you go somewhere and like their only industry that exists anymore is tourism. Yeah. Right? Cruise like, ports. Like, like, that's exactly it. Cruise ports, right? It's so like, obviously, like as somebody that goes there, like you are a part of the problem, but like you wonder, <laughs> well, you wonder like, 
I don't know. You wonder what option that place has in yep. a lot of ways, right? <laughs> My name is Nick and I'm part of the problem. <laughs> um, you know, when you look at the Hawaiian Islands, right? And this commodification of it starts with the sugar cane, sugar cane plantations. And now I've, I've never been to Hawaii, but I would imagine it's almost entirely tourism at this point. Yeah. That's, that's what I would imagine. It's quite literally um, entirely tourism. <laughs> like you wonder, okay, on one hand, here we have a traditional Hawaiian culture that's been a initially destroyed, right? And then B, what is left of it? The pig roast, the lays, the luau is the, the surfing, right? Like is almost a caricature of right. what it once was. It's been like repackaged and sold. And then it, when like Ian's talking about, like, it's this guy's job to fix this. It's this guy's job to fix this. I'm sitting here thinking, how the hell do you fix that? Right. Like there's no going back from that. Like, right. do you want to go back to like the chiefs, you know, of, of the Hawaiian islands? Like where does it go from here? You know, what does it look I, like for Hawaii or the Dominican Republic or any place that's been totally commodified? That's, that's a really good observation, Joe. And I'm, I'm so glad like you mentioned the sugar cane thing, because the book begins with the closing of a sugar cane plantation that the father of this family works on. So like, the whole book is like, okay, we, we've moved from sugarcane to tourism and how will these people, how will this family make their way in the new kind of, and, and spoiler, it doesn't, it, they're, they're very poor for almost the entire book. But I will say, and again, I, I'm, I'm really treading carefully here to avoid spoilers. There is an answer. Uh, this yeah. book does propose an answer. It's not a perfect answer. It's not. And then they all lived happily ever after. Um, but it isn't, it, it does propose an answer that somehow in the, in the shape of this story, in the shape of what the story has to say about uh, about Hawaii itself, it makes some sense. So it's like a possibility. And that's that's really cool. That's really kind of pleasant to to read a story where the problems are acknowledged, but also there is a well thought out possibility for the future. You got like 30 seconds to tell us about the superpowers and then tell us about the <laughs> author. So heals people. Can breathe underwater. I assume he can breathe underwater. He's the shark. Shark uh, fin. No, he's not the. He's not the shark. He's not the shark. <laughs> primarily, primarily, um, his 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 power is healing. Um, he he kind of oh, he is, is able to heal people. Joe. Um, he that's a uh, can also kind of like warg. He can kind of shape shift into the bodies of people he touches, animals he touches, and that's how oh, he heals sharks. them. He kind of like pops his mind into their into their body and then he like kind of fixes them um there's one uh, uh poignant moment when he brings a dog back to life um the which is pretty life pretty massive um so that's kind of his thing animals also like um animals shark, sharks don't eat him he goes swimming and the sharks are nice to him they respect him they well they they do there's a point where he falls overboard in a, on a boat and um he wasn't thrown over to see if he could swim. He falls over and uh, sharks kind of circle him. And then one of them picks him up in its mouth and carries him to the boat. And this is the moment when his family is like, okay, something is, this, this is not, <laughs> hey, Bill, this is else not I've normal. ever seen go into a shark mouth. His Cause I think works. normally they just eat the people. And that's how that <laughs> we thought he was going to be yeah. grinds. <laughs> um, grinds. All right. So uh, who's the author and, and where do they get off? Uh, the author is the author is native Hawaiian. I'm uh, sorry, I don't, I don't know that. The author is from Hawaii, ra- born and raised, born and raised on Hawaii, uh, on the Big Island. Um, this is what's the this name is, of that? Uh, Kauai Strong Washburn. This is his first novel. Um, he he is. Uh, it was published in 2020. He's 
um, done some kind of short fiction. He's been published elsewhere. Um, he's kind of like a rising star. Uh, but this is this is sort of his his first foray um, into into the the novel sphere. And I think I mean I'm, I'm like, like I talked about on the good work Native American episode. I I, I don't like always. I, I'm cautious saying autobiographical, but I think there's probably some degree yeah. of of truth. Not that he's um, a descendant of the old gods, but but like you know when you when you are a member of a marginalized population and you have a lot of skill, you're very good at something. There will be pressure placed on you. Yeah, maybe it's spoken, maybe it's unspoken, but there'll be and maybe it's from within. But there's this pressure to like sort of lift yourself out of it, to pull your and to pull your family up out of it. And this is yeah, this is widespread. Yeah. Um yep. and. I, I I would be surprised if I would be surprised if he would just completely did this uh, off the dome. No, no connection to <laughs> no, I no wonder personal, what it'd be like, you know, I, I'm sure there's, there's connections. Some, um, yeah. Yeah. I like the, this book made me slow down and enjoy the prose. Um, it's a really good story. It's clearly told cool powers and stuff. Great characters, uh, but it's told in the first person. So it's point of view characters. So you get a point of view from Noah. You get a point of view from his older brother. You get a point of view from their mom. You get a point of view from the, the sister, the younger sister. And you really have to track kind of what's happening, connect the dots and so forth. I, this is going to sound like an uh, 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 oxymoron, but I finished this book fast, but I had to read it slow. This is not okay, a book you yeah. gulp. You know, like there's some books you just like, you just guzzle down. It does sound ridiculous. Yeah. Just fly through. You read Stephen King, you read James Patterson, you fly yeah. through them. You read Yeah, you fast. just zip through it. And like, you're not skimming, but the story is like right there on the surface. Mm-hmm. This book I had to sip. I couldn't gulp it. I had to sip it. And I really, really love that. Um, it also reminded me like how just, just how cool reading is. This is your <laughs> weekly plug for oh reading. My God. Reading is great. No, seriously. Yeah, I finished this book and I was like, man, I am so thankful that I like reading because this book like opened doors. Yeah. I, I like, like you, Nick, and like you, Joe, I didn't know Jack about a lot of this Hawaiian history and culture. And the book opens the door to that. And I think that's cool. So here's why you should read it. Imagine a Hawaiian triangle, uh, a Hawaiian angle. I'm sorry. What is a Hawaiian triangle? A triangle. Just hear me. Is out. that like a Wisconsin triangle? It's mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yes, but it's like on this. On it's turned to the left. Uh, you, you got you got three points, right? Three points of, of Hawaiian identity. You've got people, Hawaiian people. At one point, mm-hmm. you've got uh, Hawaiian culture and heritage, and you got Hawaiian land. Like these mm-hmm. three, kind of comprising the triangle, comprising Hawaiian identity. This book explores the relationship between people and culture, between people and land, between land yeah. and culture. And you do get some stuff about the people. So you get some stuff about like how Hawaiian people talk about each other's um, genetic origins. Like, oh, you're you're native, you're pure Hawaiian, you're native Hawaiian. Oh, you're Hawaiian Filipino. Oh, you're Hawaiian Okinawan. It's like there's some there's some stuff about um, how people interact with each other, how the culture develops. There's like hula. There's sections about hula. Hula plays an important part in the the kind of final um, climax. Um, there's a lot of beautiful descriptions of land, but this is not, hey, it's me, Kawaii Strong Washburn, and I'm going to tell you about <laughs> the people or about these recipes or about what it's like at this part of the country. It's more kind of what's the intricate relationship between people, culture, and land? Mm-hmm. How do the contradictions in this relationship, how are they resolved? And I think 
like I say, it's hard to sum up, but I learned a lot. Could I tell you what I learned? Maybe not. It'd be hard. I think the book sounds cool. I like these, both of these books together. Yeah, I think they, they really work well because I, I, as I was reading mine, I, I didn't, I, I knew practically nothing about Hawaiian history. And so yeah. Joe's book kind of gives some background. Um, yeah. um, it's, al- it's almost like we unified under a single theme. It's almost like wow. there's a theme going so, on. I love it how that happens. Nick, are you going to go to Hawaii now? Nick, have you been to Hawaii? No, I've never been to Hawaii. And um, yeah. I feel like, uh, it's, I mean, I really want to go. But then every time you like look it up, it's like I get these stories about like how like tourists are literally ruining everything in Hawaii. Yeah. There's a little bit of guilt there. It's just like people don't, people are like living in cars. That's interesting. It's like, it's like the, the, the desire not to be part of the problem. So like rent is getting so out of hand in these in these like critical touristic regions that the the locals have, have been moved out. But that's happening not just in Hawaii. The problem with Hawaii is that it's a finite amount of space. And so you, <laughs> right. there's nowhere else to move out. You are literally kicking people off of the island. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, boy, good stuff. So uh, Joe, you lose. Um, Ian oh. sounds like a good book. I like superhero stories. So that sounds that's like good. what you brought. People do fly in the book. It's not like fancy and flashy, but they do fly. So no, no, there's levitation. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you already won. All right. So. I, All right. Lit heads, how about you fly on over? You don't, you don't know litpodcast.com. Suggest a book, suggest a theme, request a sticker. Uh, beyond that, like us, subscribe, and tell a bookish friend. And I think that's everything. Congratulations, wow. Ian. Joe, that was so efficient. My goodness. Tight it. I, yeah, he, I really Nick said he it. wanted it tighter. I've been working on it. I've been yeah. working on the pitch. Thank Practicing you, in the mirror. All right. Um, I'm going to read a, a passage, uh, a brief, a brief passage um, from the point of view of the mother. The mother kind of she is one of the, the figures of tradition and culture. Um, and she's talking about um, she's talking about uh, what's happened to Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian society and why she's so kind of hopeful in her son in Noah. She says. Take language. Olelo Hawaii, which was not written, only passed from one mouth to the next. Less letters than the English that soon roared over it. And yet it contained more mana of Hawaii than anything that foreign tongue could twist itself into. What do you do when pono, a healing word, a power word, a word that is emotions and relationships, and objects, and the past, and the present, and the future, a thousand prayers all at once, worth 83 of the words from the English. Righteousness, morality, prosperity, excellence, assets, carefulness, resources, fortune, necessity, hope, and so on and on, is outlawed. When our language, Olelo Hawaii, was outlawed, so our gods went, so prayers went, So ideas went, so the island went.